Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show this morning. We have been going through the stateoftheology.com, which is a new theological survey put out by Ligonier Ministries. Um, there are 35 questions on here where you can view how uh, the general population has answered, but also you can you know, focus in on evangelicals. Today, we're looking at statement number six, which is perhaps the most bizarre contrast in all 35 statements. Uh, the statement is basically, they put out a statement and you can answer, you know, agree or, or disagree or not sure. So here's the statement. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Now, if you're, if you were raised in the Christian church, you're Red flag should be being thrown up right now. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Well, of course he's not, right? He's God himself. He's the son of God. He's the, the I the am. red flag should go up at created. That's right, exactly. And yet, the way that evangelicals have answered this is 65% of evangelicals agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Yeah, and I, I think... My first thought is, well, just to be aghast at that. <laughs> My second thought is to not be too quick to condemn Christians in general, but to take on to myself and for all the rest of us Christian teachers, we've obviously not been doing our job uh, in, in teaching basic Christian theology. Somebody hasn't been doing their job. Well, we've been, this is such yeah. a fundamental error. This is such a... a, a this goes back to one of the earliest controversies and theological controversies in the church and the battle against what's called Arianism, mm -hmm. which was resolved in the Nicene Creed. And the, that phrase in the Nicene Creed, begotten, not made. Makes, makes me wonder if very it was God resolved when 65% get well, it wrong. Yes, maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't resolved. What's, you know, the, and this is a problem. I remember the very first church I pastored, uh, you know, 88, uh, pastoring in 1988. Oh, I was, I was wondering, was that 88 years ago? Yeah, or yeah, was yeah. That in 1988? Yeah, but, okay, but, uh, glad I, you clarified. But I can remember in that first church um, speaking about Jesus Christ being the Son of God, being God himself, and afterwards, some, you know, I'm in Florida, so most of that congregation was older, but there was a lady that came up to me and said, that's the very first time I understood that Jesus was God. And I, you could have knocked me over with a feather at that point. I'm going, yeah. what have we been teaching people? Anytime we, I mean, we just came through Christmas. What was Christmas all about? The incarnation, the word became flesh, the word that was with God and the word that was God. Yes. Uh, you know, these are the things that we should, you know, we should even touch on that at least once a year. If we are actually talking about Christmas and the incarnation and the birth of Christ, 
what are we telling people? We should at least tell them so that they understand that he's not a created being, that he was God, that mm-hmm. he assumed and took on, added to himself, human flesh. Amen. And I I get trying to understand the two natures of, of Christ, trying to understand how the Trinity works. I mean, that that's heady stuff. That's hard things to, to navigate. I get that. And our minds go so far and, and they struggle to bring it all together because it's not natural for us that three can be one and, and, and try to truly reconcile that. However, thankfully, we don't have to navigate these waters alone. Theologians throughout church history have been helping us to navigate these waters to help us stay within theological bounds. Mm-hmm. We hold to three ecumenical creeds. and The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. And for sure, the Nicene and the Athanasian Creed deal with this extensively. Yes. So apparently we're not... <laughs> We're not using our creeds even very well because we're not reminding our people of what has been truly an accepted fundamental truth for 1,500 years, if yeah. I'm doing my well, math and, somewhat and, right. And I, and I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, I'm going to fault church leadership more than the average person in the pew, and mm-hmm. I'll, take my share of, uh, I'll take my share of that uh, blame. Um, too much... Too much preaching today is therapeutic and not doctrinal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, pre- doctrinal. You know, preaching shouldn't things, also things also to be believed, not just simply. Yeah, yeah, it's not just dry things doc- to do. <laughs> not, yeah, but so much preaching today is you know what I like to call helpful and not in not as a compliment, helpful hints for happy living and really kind of mass therapy to make you feel good but doesn't teach basic Christian doctrine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously from preaching should also encourage, pre- preaching should edify, preaching should remind people of the basics of the gospel and um, how much they are loved and treasured by God. And, and you know, you, there's a whole lot in, in, in preaching that, you know, should, should encourage you and build you up. But if you don't teach sound doctrine at the same time, you end up with Christians who think that Jesus is a created being. And here's the problem. All of these doctrines go together. It's like a, a big tapestry. Yes. And if you start pulling on one of those threads, you unravel the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So, so this statement, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. We're looking at the stateoftheology.com, this survey that just came out. For 65% of evangelicals to believe that, is is essentially to say, on the other hand, that Jesus is not the Savior of the world. Because you cannot have a created—I mean, God's Word is so clear on this. A created being <coughs> cannot save anyone from their sin. So, yeah. I think it's Psalm 49, right? You're, you're, the soul, the human soul is, is, um, cannot be ransomed by another, meaning by another human being. Jesus had to be the God-man in order for any one of us to mm-hmm. be saved. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. can, we can only pay the penalty for our own sin. It was because and that's, Jesus, de- and that's because death and Jesus, hell. Yeah, because Jesus was God. He, his death had infinite value. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and this is why we need to point out that he was God. 
Yes. And if we don't accept that Jesus is God, then then two things are are coming into play that are are extremely dangerous. One, God has to be a liar and Jesus has to be a liar. Yes. I mean, God's mm-hmm. promise in the Old Testament was that he Emmanuel would come. God with us. Mm-hmm. But, One born of a woman. And if 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 Jesus wasn't God, then how was God with us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jesus throughout his entire life on earth claimed divinity, claimed things that only should be attributed to God. Yeah, so, I and my father are one, he yeah. said. So you've got this issue of if if you agree with this statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, you you have to call God and Jesus liars. And, and quite frankly, if you agree with this statement, you're actually agreeing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes who are Jesus's greatest enemies in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, getting my hair cut by a, a, a Mormon friend of mine um, recently, and we had this discussion. This, this sounds like the beginning of a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's not a joke, but I I, I did take him. I I asked him, I said, from from your perspective, why were the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders so angry at Jesus? And I I told him, please look in in John 5 and and John 8. And he did. And I came back to him. And I, I read the text. I said, look what it says in John 5. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, Jesus, uh, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. If you agree with the statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, you're agreeing with Jesus's enemies because they were angry. They got the implication. They understood loud and clear what he was claiming. I am God. That's why he was crucified. Well, and you're also, if you believe that Jesus is the first and greatest created being, then you're also in agreement with Arius, who was one of the most notorious heretics of the early church. Uh, Arius, uh, and he was the teacher of Arianism, was a Christian teacher. Well, well he was a heretical Christian teacher uh, in the early history of the church who taught that Jesus was created. There was a time, in, the, in Arius's phrase, there was a time when he was not. And the leadership of the church came together in the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, and condemned Arius and his teaching and uh, produced the Nicene Creed, one of, one of the great uh, ecumenical creeds, which is held across uh, the broad scope of Christianity right down to this day. This is an old, old heresy. It, it keeps popping up its head again and again, but Christian uh, rejected it is not true. It is false. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, is from all eternity. He is eternal. He is uncreated. He is God in the flesh. Interesting. Arius actually put, there was a time when he was not, in a sense, to music, and it was more or less sung in the streets. Uh, And uh, mm -hmm. this is one of the one of the reasons why we have to be concerned about what we sing as well as what we yes. say, yes. because we can sing bad theology too, and yes. uh, and the response was the uh, the Gloria Patri, which is as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, pointing to the fact: no, in the beginning, 
God was the Word, and the Word was God. I mean, Christ was the Word. And maybe people just get confused about terminology. The the Nicene Creed that answered um, Arius would say that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, begotten, not made. And so I think there might be just confusion on on the whole idea of what does begotten mean. Does begotten mean that he is the first and greatest being created by God? And some people apparently are saying, well, yes, that is what it means. But we believe in the eternal generation of the Son, that mm-hmm. the Son, there was never a time when Jesus was not. Yeah. Um, right. So begotten is not used in the sense in our creeds, um, especially here, to say that somehow God brought God the Father brought God the Son into existence. Um, that's not what the word begotten is saying. It's right. saying it's, that there's it, an in, internal relationship in of Greek, Father to Son. In Greek, that word is monogenes, which yep. is, uh, you know, mono being one. And in genes, you know, we get the word, um, you know, English word gene from that. So mm-hmm. he's the, he, as, a, as a gene, he's the only only gene he's the one gene in that category he's not it's not begotten in the current in the way of this father begets that son that son begets that son no this is this is he's the one unique one the only begotten son the only begotten amen well you've been listening to the gospel for life we will see you next time